0: On this episode of the Atlas Airguns Podcast, we talk to Joe Ray of Cyclops Videos. With a combination of wit and humor, Joe Ray gives a candid interview about the optics and airgun community. So sit back, crack open a beer, and listen to an uncensored episode of the Atlas Airguns Podcast. so you're a humorous guy and you're obviously in the air gun industry and overall you're in obviously the optics industry and the gun industry i saw you post that woke joke vortex video and that was really hilarious what was the inspiration behind that well actually
1: man uh vortex has actually been a good company to me man it's just uh I had uh, some of my buddies, man, that are just vortex Nazis, you know, it's, <laughs> vortex can do no wrong, you know, and I mean, they're almost like a cult at times, and I had a couple of vortex uh, scopes that came in, and they were, weren't very good, so, you know, I, I, I'm, my videos aren't sponsored, so I made a video talking about the fact they weren't very good, and then I just got all this feedback, oh, you asshole, and you know all these pro shooters are shooting them and you know uh you must not know what you're talking about otherwise these pros won't shoot them and i would just reply to guys hey man these pros are shooting them because they're being paid to and they don't pay for these scopes you know nobody's ever had a free piece of equipment they didn't love (laughs) you know so uh we were doing that and then when we were in uh when we were at the RMAC rocky mountain air gun challenge this year in utah and I ran into somebody right before I left and I, it was a girl and I and I had called her she or said, you know, something like that. And it's like, you don't know my pronoun. You need to get woke and all this kind of stuff. And Anyway, me and the guys just got the biggest kick out of it and just kind of took off from there, man. And, you know, the guys at Vortex can take a joke. They put out uh, joke videos every year on uh, April's Fools and... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't do anything like that that might could impact a small company, but Vortex, you know, it'd be like me putting out a video said Ford trucks suck. No, that's not going to impact sales in any way, you know, so (laughs) they can take it kind of
0: videos yeah vortex scopes are very big that said your personality is very big in not only the air gun industry but also the powder burning industry and part of your personality is the the funny aspect you bring to things when i see your instagram or youtube you're obviously a kind of humorous person um and if you took away that humor you wouldn't be the person you are or the personality that you've you've developed on the other hand, does that ever get in the way of things? Does that ever cause you trouble?
1: Yeah, it does. With some uh, some of the companies, there's some of them that don't work with me, and uh, because they, you know, they're uh, overly politically correct. Uh, some of the air gun manufacturers actually don't work with me anymore. Uh, uh, Airgun Depot, Pyramid Air, even though I know the people that run it, <clears throat> but I put out a video for. Uh, Funny story, I put out a video for Airgun Depot and Travis at Airgun Depot, who I love, man, it's one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Uh, they were sending me a Springer to do and it was a little brake barrel uh, Viroc, or I think it was Viroc, I don't remember. But anyway, they sent me this little gun and I went out and reviewed it, man, and it was just so butter smooth. I mean, when you cocked it, it was just so easy. So during the video, I said, you know, this thing goes down like a good girlfriend Well to me I thought that was hilarious and Travis did too so I put the video out that night. Well the next day I wake up man to all these messages and texts and emails and everything else and Travis is like dude you got to take that video down man. The owner of uh, Air Venturi who owns Aragon Depot and Pyramid Air saw it and he flipped out. You know it's like no man we can't have a video like that so anyway I ended up taking it down. and. I edited that part out of it, but I told them it's never going to get the views that it would have got, you know, before, because, you know, y'all want it sanitized up, you know, it's going to look like, you know, fill in the blank uh, videos that are just boring. There's no, there's no spice to it. There's no fun to it, you know, and I said, man, I can wash it down for you, but I promise you, man, it won't get the views that it would have gotten. And I did. So anyway, I did this video. Updated, whitewashed it out, took out all the fun and the reference to midgets and that kind of shit. And then to this day, that video has not got the views that it got the first day that it was out. And it was funny because people were sharing it. You know, it's like, oh man, you got to see what this asshole's doing. You know, the crap he's saying. And some people thought it was funny and they were sharing it. But once it got all whitewashed down, it's like, uh, you know, it's just like one of Rick Usler's reviews now. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's no fun to it. He's just going through the facts and, you know, mostly fluff. So, you know, th- but uh, there's quite a few of the, the optics companies that don't want to work with me because they, uh, you know, they've seen some of my videos. They've heard some of the stuff I say. They see some of the stuff on Instagram. But the companies that do appreciate it that are not so worried about, offending somebody that gets upset about a cartoon or something you know or not having three restrooms in every facility you know people that are not so politically correct they get a kick out of it and i think it's i I like to think because i hear this from them that's kind of a breath of fresh air
0: i'd like to ask you what was the worst air gun you've ever had for me personally it was a ruger impact max from walmart
1: yeah i've had a uh Actually, man, I've got I've got a Ruger video on there. I think it's still on there. And uh I was telling everybody that it was just a cash grab by Ruger. You know, they just you know, they just market out their name and their logo and they get a percentage of the sales, but it's a Umarex and it's made by uh, BAM over in China. I mean the, the maker of the cheapest air guns ever, those Rugers are just just terrible, absolutely terrible. But that one was really, really frustrating. But a lot of the, I think, honestly, man, when I was a kid, even the inexpensive air guns, you know, the the Benjamin Sheridans, uh, there were uh, Winchesters that were built in Europe and stuff like that. Even the inexpensive air guns shot accurately. Now I think what really kills air gun sales, there's so many cheap air guns. People go to Walmart and buy the, you know, or $90 air gun and the only pellets there if they're lucky you know there may be some Benjamin pellets but the majority of time it's the crap Crossman pellets and uh, whatever those pellets are that shoot so extremely fast and stuff and I mean you know you can't hit a hubcap at 30 yards with one of these things and so I talked to air gunners or did when I was making air gun reviews literally daily that just quit they would go in get one of the guns and they couldn't hit anything, and they got frustrated. And then you have to, the thing that sucks in air guns, to get a good, reliable, know what's going to shoot out of the box, air rifle, you have to start at $300. bucks. you got to start at the Viroc 30, Diana 34, something like that, and go up. Everything below that is such a crapshoot, man. And the best that we can tell about one in three or one in four will actually shoot. And it's a shame to say that, man. And it really sucks for the young guys and the new shooters, but it's just the way it is, man. If, if you buy an $80 air rifle, you know, the odds are by the time you get a good one and buy that same $80 gun over and over and over, you could have bought one of the better rifles and you know from the start, it's gonna shoot. I
0: would like to ask you, what's the funniest thing that you've seen in the air gunning community? Probably
1: was something I did. I was at a, at a EBR the first year I went. I went with Ken Hicks from Spa Weapons. I mean, he's such a good dude. I mean, everybody knows what a great air gun tuner is, but he's just such a good dude. And me and him and our buddy Chris Brada, we were staying together. And I was out filming a video there one day, and I was trying to film what Ken was doing when he was sorting the pellets. Well, he wouldn't let me do it you know he's a he's a really super competitive shooter and incredibly good he had won it the year before so anyway i was trying to sneak up on him with a camera so i had taken my shoes off and i had just had socks and i walked right i straddled one of those great big cactus that they have there and it caught me from the waist all the way to the butthole i probably had two or three hundred cactus thorns. I mean, it was all over my naughty area, so I got walked over there like nothing was wrong, and I'm dying inside, and I snuck in the camper and got the tweezers out, and there was like this little camp area, so I knew Ken wouldn't be able to see me behind this table, so I'm sitting out there naked from the waist down, you know, pulling at my my genitals, pulling the tweezers out, and turned around, I heard, And it was one of the shooters that was there from California. He was going to sneak up on me and, <laughs> and play a trick on me. And he walked up on me pulling cactus thorns out of my nuts. You know? He told me he'd never walk up on me again like that, though. <laughs> it was hilarious, man. It, w- it was so embarrassing. but You know, it was just uh, uh, sometimes dumb stuff happens to dumb people, and it seems like it happens to me a lot.
0: So, continuing on that thread of the air gun industry, what's the worst optic you've ever come across?
1: Uh, the worst cheap optics being some of the uh, center points, they're the worst cheap optic. I think the the worst optic on the planet right now, especially considering what they sell for, are the Ospreys. And um, they've just got, any, I mean, you can Google them or anything, search, and they just have just the absolute most horrible customer service there is they're basically taking $80 OEM scopes and they sell them a lot at gun shows and stuff that I I haven't I've never been to a sporting goods store that carried them I'm sure there are some but uh, you know they're selling $100 scopes for four and five and six hundred dollars and it's just it's unreal and when you handle so many scopes as I do you know what a hundred dollar scope looks like you know what it's going to feel like uh, you know, there may be cosmetically some difference, but you know optically about what you're going to get. So I know what a $100 scope looks like, you know, or a $200 scope looks like when I look through it. And they're selling these things for three to four to five times as much as anybody else would sell that same scope. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But uh, probably mm, in the budget scopes, it's got to be the center points. I mean, they're just they're just a joke, you know, as a matter of fact, anybody that's listened to this, if you own a center point, uh, they're owned by Crossman, I believe, but you can call them and ask them about sending one back to re- for repair. And they just ask you, what are you talking about? You know, it's a center point. You just throw it in the trash. They <laughs> don't have a repair area. There's nothing to repair. If there's a problem, you just throw it away, you know? And, uh, but of the, Of the scopes that are not at the very, you know, it's like anything else. The absolute cheapest there is is going to be bad. But the the Ospreys, there there is no amount of money they could pay me, and no amount of stuff they could send me to ever do a review for them because, you know, it's one of those it's one of those optics companies. I already know I'm going to blow y'all out of the water because I know how bad you've screwed over so many people. So that you know, I don't I don't want my name even attached to what y'all do.
0: What should the consumer want in optics?
1: Well, me personally, I think as far as the airgun community, which I think really highly of all of my friends in the airgun community, uh, so many of them want a twenty or want a ten-yard minimum focus, and I understand. And if I lived up north and I shot my basement five months out of the year, I would, you know, that that makes perfect sense, but. For the majority of us, people that live in the south or along the coast or something, or they don't go out and shoot their air guns in the winter. If you, there's no need putting that on your checklist of have to have if you don't use it. In my personal backyard, I shoot, uh, my target is set at 38 yards. That's how far it is from my back porch. That's the furthest I can shoot. When I take my guns to the range, I never shoot them inside 25 yards. And if you have a scope that minimum focuses, if you have two identical scopes, one of them goes down to 10 yards, the other one goes to 25, it's not just a matter of threading something in there so it'll turn further. You give up a lot for that extra 15 yards and what you give up is field of view. As an example, if both of these scopes were say 4 to 16, one went down to 10, one went down to 25 as the minimum focus, At 100 yards, if the 10-yarder had, say, on any given power, let's just say 10, at 100 yards, if it had a 50-foot wide field of view, the one that went down to 25 would have about a 65-foot field of view. It's that much difference. I mean, it's like, you know, a time and a quarter, the field of view is what you get with, with not having to go down to a minimum focus. That's the reason so many of the really, I mean, very, very top-end scopes, minimum focus down to 50, if they have a minimum focus, they'll go to 50. Now, they, they can get it down to 25 because the difference in the field of view between 25 and 50 is very, very minimal. The difference in the field of view from 25 to 10 is huge, and so many guys get that on their list. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have that and they don't realize what they're giving up. And to me, I think that's that's a mistake air gunners make, but the air gun scope manufacturers market that so heavily, they've got beat over the head of it with it so much that they get it in your head, I've got to have that. You know, you absolutely have to have it. And it's hard to talk guys out of it until they see two very similar scopes in the same price range side to side and they'll look through one and go wow this is a lot brighter and it's like it may not necessarily be brighter you're getting such a huge field of view the eye box is a lot more forgiving you know the distance your eye has to be from the scope is more forgiving you know you you give up a lot to take to go down to a minimum of 10 yards and anybody that tells you different is a liar or they're not knowledgeable about it it's just uh it's a fact and uh there's a buddy of mine that has a channel, his name is Ilya, and his channel is the Dark Lord of Optics, and he actually designs rifle scopes. And guys that are in the optics industry will tell you he's probably the most knowledgeable guy on the planet when it comes to rifle scopes. And he'll be the first one to tell you there's no trade-off. You know, you give something up for everything you get. and that's one, that's one of the trade-offs to go down to a 10-yard minimum focus when you may not need it. It may not ever use it. But a lot of guys, you can't talk them out of it. You know,
0: that's just the way I see it. If you were a normal consumer, given your knowledge, what would you want out of optics versus what is currently offered in the market?
1: If I were being the consumer or on the consumer end, I think the primary focus should be on quality of the glass, quality of the mechanism and I think you know there's big upsides to each but for me at the end of the day the scope is a tool you know it's like having a wrench that changes sizes if your scope won't hold zero it won't track repeatedly and it doesn't have to be perfect but if it's not consistent if it's not a tool you can count on then it's useless and I think too many consumers, they have, you know, 10 check boxes. You know, it's got to have a zero stop. It's got to be illuminated. Uh, It's got to have, you know, reservoir turrets. It's got to have 10 mil revolution per turn. It's got to have, you know, so many stadia wires inside of it. I need everything numbered or I need a floating dot or I got to have side focus, not front focus. And there's a lot of check boxes to get and if you're in a, if you have a real strict budget and you want everything to check off your box, believe me, there are scopes out there that'll do it. I mean, for a hundred dollars, you can get a scope that'll do everything that I just said. But at the end of the day, the, there's no way to build the mechanics inside of it to come in at that budget for a hundred dollars and to be reliable and be good. It's just, it's an impossibility. It would be like building a brand new $20,000 car that would run 500,000 miles, it's not gonna happen. You're having to cut so many corners, something's gotta give because you just made this giant checklist of what you want, but you have a very, very low budget, but there's nothing wrong with that, everybody has a budget. But instead of concentrating on all of these goodies that you may not necessarily need, you could get something for $100, something like a Hawk Vantage two to seven there's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing glamorous. But if you look through it, you'll see a good clear scope that will track, repeat, and hold zero, where for $100, if you get a UTG Leapers that has all of the stuff I talked about, when you look through it, it's going to be looking like looking through a jar of dirty toilet water, and you're not going to be able to turn the dials and wonder, is it going to quit turning? Is it going to move at all? You know, there's there's just no way to make a good tool at that price range if your tool has to do all of these other things instead of doing what it was meant to do, to be able to help you aim at the target downrange and be consistent at it.
0: Obviously, we're impacted by a lot of the China manufacturing. What scope manufacturer do you like outside of China?
1: Well, there's not that many. Um. The ones that I really like, I like the SWFA brand. Uh, for $300 you can get a fixed power uh, SWFA that comes out of Japan. Um, I'm a big fan of the Valdata scopes, but you're talking about really, really expensive scopes. Uh, most of the scopes you'll see on the market that are $1,500 and up, they don't come out of China. But uh, I'm trying to think, a lot of guys think, well, Leopold doesn't come out of China. Well, they're assembled in the United States. But that doesn't mean they don't have Chinese glass, they don't have Chinese internals. They, they actually do assemble them here, but Leopold is more of a, uh, they machine and anodize the bodies. But all the internals, they outsource now. It's just too expensive to do it here in the States. It would be like if somebody decided, we're going to start making our own iPhone, It's like good luck with that you know, and and to be competitive. Uh, I know some of the high-end vortexes are either assembled here or made here. Some of the US Optics stuff is made here. Um, the Steiner stuff, uh, Savorsky, uh, Zeiss calls, Schmidt Bender, some of the expensive, expensive scopes are all built in Europe or come out of Japan. Uh, some of the weavers that unfortunately came off the market, they were made in the Philippines. Some of the, uh, the primary arm stuff I think is their GLX line come out of the Philippines, those are nice scopes. But what happens a lot of times now, I know from going through this with Bushnell, Bushnell released a particular line about three years ago and I put out a video and these particular scopes came out of Japan. So I put the video out, about two months later they reached out to me and asked me can you edit the video and I said no, not once it's already on YouTube, why? And they had decided instead of outsourcing it to Japan, which was more expensive, they were sending it to China. So the video that I made and said that it was made in Japan, now that's no longer right, so I just had to take the video down. And that's the problem now, guys will ask me, when I make a video, please tell us where it's made. And I can, I can tell you where the scope I've got in my hand was made. But that may change next week, next month, next year. You know, it's just, uh, it's really hard to predict when the scope companies will move everything to China. Trijicon's a good example. Uh, Trijicon's got a really good, you know, record in for quality in optics. But so many of their new scope lines all come out of China. But guys think Trijicon... You know, they're not thinking about it like, my mother has a little Ford SUV. I've got a Volkswagen. So my mom bought a Ford, she thinks she's buying American. Her car was built in Mexico. My Volkswagen was built in Tennessee. You know, the the logos don't necessarily tell you where it's coming from anymore. And I know it's frustrating for the consumers because I know there's so many guys that don't want to buy from China, but if you're buying budget optics. At least 95% of the time, that's where they come from. So switching subjects
0: and another fun question, what's your favorite movie?
1: Mm, Probably The Wolf of Wall Street, man. It's got a little bit of everything in it. I I just love that damn movie, man. I've probably seen it 10 times and and it tickles the shit out of me every time I watch it.
0: Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is really crazy in that. So do you hunt at all?
1: I used to do more hunting. Occasionally, I'll, I'll go out pig hunting, but... Because of health issues and I'm older now I'm about to turn 60. Um, I actually like to hunt by myself, but now, because of some limitations, like if I go out and shoot a 150 pound hog, I can't load it by myself any longer. so and because of some of the health problems I've had, I'm a little reluctant to be so far away from kind of like civilization or you know out in the timber because you know if something were to happen and I got hurt, You know, I don't know that I could get back. And guys that don't live in the area that I live, like I live here in East Texas, and here probably, when you get outside the city limits, probably less than half of the areas, is there any kind of a phone signal? You know, and guys are like, hey man, just carry your cell phone. And it's like, it's not like that here. You know, uh, in Texas, there's, you know, you can drive for an hour in different directions and never get another, never get one bar. You know, there's gigantic areas of this state that have no cell coverage. And, you know, to other guys in the country, that sounds funny or foreign to them, but that's just the way it is here. And, you know, if you're in one of these areas and something were to happen, and somebody didn't know exactly where you were at, you know, it uh, something that could be an inconvenience, you know, you fall and get a compound fracture, which I've had happen, uh, can get, you know, can go from, you know, man, this sucks, I'm gonna miss work to really, really serious, really fast. So uh, I don't hunt that much anymore. I'll go out with friends and pig hunter, do some coyote hunting and stuff, but I don't deer hunt much anymore.
0: Switching subjects again, so digital scopes, do you see them taking over the optics industry eventually?
1: My personal opinion is I've never seen a digital scope I liked. The ones where you're actually looking at an LCD screen inside of the tube. I've never seen one I liked. Um, I think that we're a long ways away from it until the the companies that make these things and you know i thought maybe like when the apple watch came out maybe some of that because if anybody that's ever saw you know looked at one of those the screen's incredibly bright and crisp and clear uh, until they can get that kind of technology into an optic i don't think guys are willing to trade because good optical quality when you look through the scope and then you look through an lcd i mean it's it's not even you know it's not even close as far as the quality of the picture and the dependability you got to have you know batteries and everything else i think my personal opinion even when a time comes and it will eventually get here that most optics will be digital i think there'll still be a lot of hunters that'll you know demand an optical scope in the same way there's a lot of guys still in the area i live that won't use a scope period. They, they only trust iron sights. You know, they don't trust a scope. There's just one more thing to go wrong. So they only use iron sights. And uh, I haven't seen any digital scope that I ever looked through and went, wow. And I've, I've seen all, most all of them. Now I'm sure there's probably something new at the sh- you know coming out of shot here in two weeks that I haven't seen. But other than that, if it's a digital scope, I've seen it or used it or owned it and I just haven't seen one that you know uh that I would use. I'll put it like that Even for recreational shooting or hunting. I I've never seen one I
0: want. Do you ever get content creator fatigue of any kind?
1: No, I really don't and I think a big part of it is uh I don't have any sponsors. I think for me personally it was the right choice. Uh, I do have one affiliate with an with an optics company, but I don't have any sponsors, so I don't feel obligated to make a video. You know, I don't feel, uh, I don't know, you know, I I know guys that have got burnout and guys that get all caught up with uh, uh, how many subscribers they have or how many people are watching their videos or how much positive feedback. uh, It can, you know, it can make you burn out, but most of the guys that I know that have you know if if they haven't quit YouTube they've cut down to almost nothing where rarely they'll put out a video and, and there's quite a few of the aircon guys like that that sometimes they'll go weeks or months uh you know they got a lot of it they have other stuff going on in their life and it's you know it's time consuming but part of it is in the in the comments that you get man it there's so many trolls out there and to a lot of these guys man you know it wears them down you know guys are just You just get hammered for anything you know and uh critiqued and oh man you suck or you know you're not as good as you think you are or who do you think you are you know i could you know i'd kick your ass if i ever run into you and and to a lot of these guys man it really wears them down you know the negativity of it really wears them down uh for me um it, it just doesn't faze me man there's a There's, you know, a couple of dozen people in the whole world that their opinion that I care about outside those couple dozen people would give a shit what anybody says, you know, and I mean, I I genuinely mean that it's not just me, you know, saying that I just, I don't care what you think, you know, uh, I know guys that are my age that they'll talk about their high school years and they, you know, they slept with all the cheerleaders, they scored the touchdown, they made straight A's, this, this and this. You know, uh, in certain groups, it's like, was I the only regular kid here? You know, I was just another kid in high school, man. I was never any of these superstar stuff. And on YouTube, it's like, man, I'm just another dude doing YouTube. There's nothing special about what I do. And the guys that do go out of their time, go out of their way to critique you or rip into you, I just look at them and think, man, you know, I kind of feel sad for you, man. I feel bad for you you know, it's not affecting me. I just, I feel bad for you that, that in your free time and everybody's time is at a premium that you choose it to tear into other people. And I think, man, how sad is your life got to be? You know, so it does, it just doesn't affect me, man. So, uh, and a lot of times what I'll do, I'll have, well, at, at the time we're recording this right now, I've got I counted this morning. I've got eleven videos on YouTube ready to be released. I mean, the thumbnails are made; they're ready to go. But I'll I'll kind of do them in batches, and that way, if I want to take a month or two off, or a few weeks off, you know, if I'm at uh, the Rocky Mountain Airgun Challenge, or like this weekend, I was at the Dallas Safari Club, or if I'm off in Missouri shooting with buddies, or you know, decide to travel to Florida. I don't have a schedule that I have to keep where I got to get I got to get back out to the range or I got to get back in the studio. You know, I have so many made up that, you know, uh, it doesn't affect me. You know, if I take a couple of weeks off, I don't you know, I don't I don't worry about it because I have videos in the queue. And I think that helps me a lot with the burnout part.
0: Uh, The question I have next for you is stupidest criticism of your videos that you've gotten.
1: Mm. Well, the cruelest, I had a guy tell me that he, uh, I had opened up and was telling people about my uh, struggles with cancer. I had a guy tell me that he hopes my cancer comes back and that it kills me. Um, The stupidest, mm, there's been a bunch of them. I guess, and, and I get this, and the guys have heard me say this before, and they'd say, ask me jokingly, why don't you do binocular reviews? you know, wearing an eye patch and uh, it's, it, you know, I'll have friends put, put that in comments now, and, you know, LOL, but I've probably been asked that, you know, a dozen times seriously, man, would you mind doing some binocular reviews? It's like, you know what, dude? It's like asking somebody that wears hearing aids to review speakers. That's not gonna work out right, you know?
0: Is that the number one question you've gotten?
1: No, the number one question I get on my videos now is uh believe it or not uh i still get questions almost daily about uh what happened to my eye or you know why i wear the eye patch i get i get that question and i and i have a video it's actually got over a hundred thousand views now about why i wear the eye patch but i get asked that at least once a day at least once a day
0: favorite powder burning pistol or rifle
1: Favorite powder burning rifle? Easily. An Anshut 64-54. They're kind of a vintage uh, single-shot 22. I used to shoot in, uh, when I was much, much younger. Shot competitively in uh, rim fires, and they're just terrifyingly accurate. I'm actually trying to find another one now. And uh, hopefully I'll have one I can do some reviews on on my channel. But oh man, like so much vintage stuff it's so expensive. Uh, favorite pistol that's easy a Thompson Center contender I owned a couple of them and uh oh man I just I just had the best time with those things especially in the smaller calibers 218 Bs and uh 222s and stuff like that man I mean they're they're in super super accurate and they're bulky it's a single shot but they're a lot of fun to mess
0: around with so another fun question whiskey or bourbon
1: Bourbon. My favorite is the the bourbons out of the Trace Distillery, uh, Buffalo Trace, Eagles Rare. Uh, I've got a really good friend in California. He bought me a bottle of uh, Blanton's and brought me a half gallon of uh, Buffalo Trace the last time we got together. And uh, I just like the the Trace Distillery stuff. I've been on the uh, bourbon trail and the Trace Distillery. Uh, outfit man there's just there's something about that like it's like it's like there's guys that you know really like coke but don't like dr pepper and you know when you ask them why it's it's hard to put your finger on it's just like i just like this better there's something about that appeals to me so definitely bourbon and probably uh probably buffalo trace is probably my favorite that's the one that if i walk into a uh a you know, a liquor store, a package store, whatever they call it in your part of the country. But that's the one I'm looking for.
0: Okay, here's a different question for you. What is the most annoying thing about Armac for you personally?
1: The most annoying thing about Armac is that it's up in the mountains and you'll get there and it's, you know, I'll leave East Texas and it's 92 degrees. I'll get there in the afternoon and it's 65, no humidity. It's wonderful. You'll wake up the next morning, and go out there and it's, 40 damn degrees, no humidity, and the wind's blowing, and you will be freezing your nuts off. Oh, my God. You you know, uh, the guys from the south and from Florida and stuff, every year it's the same thing, man. We show up, and we're not ready for it to drop off and be that cold that time of year, but it does, man. Early in the morning, oh, it's cold. Other than that, that's the only thing that's bad about that, man. That's such a wonderful place.
0: Okay. Now the same question posed for extreme bench rest. What is the most annoying thing about extreme bench rest for you personally?
1: The most annoying thing about extreme bench rest and I understand it is how strict they are. The The range rules and there are so many uh, range captains, but it's such a huge range. And you know anybody that's a member there is blessed to be able to call that their home range and the people there they realize it and I think they actually lease it from like the state and they're oh man I mean glasses on at all times Uh, that's usually what they get on my ass about and um, you know it's just it's a really don't get me wrong man it's they're not Bullying or anything, but they're super, super strict. And for good reason. I mean, you know, there's 50 benches lined up in a row right there. That's just on that one range or 40, I think it is. So, you know, it, they're really, really strict at, at EBR.
0: Okay. Kind of the same question, but this time it's a positive. What is the best thing that comes to mind for you about Utah Airguns?
1: Uh, the people that work there, Justin, uh, Austin, Everybody that works at the place, man, it truly is a is a family, and man, they're just uh, everybody I've ever met wearing a Utah Air Airguns uh, cap, shirt, or whatever that works there or they're one of their shooters, man, they go out of their way to help everybody. They're just, it's, there's just a great, great group of guys, man. I, I don't, I'm not sponsored by either, uh, by them in any way. But they're just they're just such nice people, man. They're just uh really good. As an example, uh Matt from uh Bulldog Airguns this year, they got their car broke in on the way to EBR. Justin from Utah came down and during the banquet ceremony or the raffles, he went over and bought like a thousand dollars worth of tickets and to try to replace their guns and scopes and gave every single one of the tickets to Matt and them, and they did. They ended up getting, you know, actually one of the guns that uh, Justin Welch won, that was from, sponsored by Utah Air Guns, won like a $3,000 rifle and he gave it directly to Matt and them. You know, they're just, they're super generous, just, oh man, they're, they're just such nice people, man. It, it, it's hard to put into words without sounding like I'm gushing or I'm trying to shoot for them or anything. But man, they are, they're really that, that high caliber of people.
0: Okay. Now the same question posed for air guns of Arizona. What's the best thing that comes to mind for you about air guns of Arizona?
1: Actually, man, I was blessed to be able to, uh, spend time. Uh, the first year I went, I got to spend a lot of time at the shop and just hanging out at the shop, seeing the way the guys interact—it's—it's uh, it's different, man. It's—it's the it's same—it's the same type of deal, man. It's kind of a family atmosphere, and everybody does their own thing. And uh, actually, man, uh, Robert Buchanan, that owns uh, AOA, along with his brother Stephen, we're all about the same age. So when we talk, because there's no age gap difference, we talk on a different level. As a matter of fact, man, the last. I think every time I've been to EBR, either Robert and I or uh Robert and his wife, we all slip off and go have lunch, you know, just kind of away from the madness and everything and just, you know, and just talk about life, cars, dumb stuff, nothing to do with air guns, you know, that uh me and Robert really hit it off, man. He's uh he's done nothing but be I mean, just super, super good to me, man. Steven the same way, man, but it's there it's a different atmosphere for at IAOA than it is at Utah Air Guns. But both of them, man, are just, you know, they're just a lot of fun to be around, man. The guys are uh they're just they're just really cool, man. Uh uh Darren and Rich, man, but they, you know, all the guys talk to on the phone, man, they're just, you know, I mean, everybody there is so cool, man. At both shops, it's uh uh that's that's the best part, man, it's the people at both at both those shops.
0: Okay. My next question is a bit of a segue from the last series of questions. And that is what should the air gun community avoid?
1: My personal opinion, the semi-auto big bores. uh, that, that's just my personal opinion, man. I, they're fun to go out and play with, but something that shoots repeatedly without having to reload and, or if the full autos that'll shoot that many times that are getting more and more powerful. I mean, you don't have to be a genie to realize, man. That, you know, that's back, that's something will eventually happen, and you know, it whatever happens won't be good. But I think that it's one of those things. You know, it's already you know, it's already started. There's no, they're not going to wheel back in because so many of the companies make so much money off of them, and there's so much demand for them. There's no stopping it now, but. I think in the long run, I man, it, it'll. Uh, I think it could come back and hurt. It may, it may not. And the, the. I think a big part of it is to be able to buy one of those guns. They're so expensive that that keeps it uh, as bad as it says, or bad as it may sound, but it is true. The more expensive the gun is, the less likely the wrong person's going to end up with it in their hands. And as for right now, they're still pretty expensive. And I think that's that's kind of a safe, that's a safety net for it. You know, it, uh, if you understand what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big cause of concern. And a lot of people have expressed that um, in some way or another to me in the last couple of years. The next question that I have for you is the exact opposite. And that is, what can air gunners do to grow the sport?
1: The air gunners that have good equipment... Uh, bring in new shooters, you know, uh, if you know somebody that has been out in what, uh, with some of the budget rifles that have just got frustrated, you know, come show them what some of the better rifles will do. And I mean, you don't have to show them a Delta Wolf or an impact, but you know, if you've got a marauder or, uh, one of the gauntlets or something, or one of the, the Virox or, um. Uh, Some of the other good brake barrels, uh, show them what the little, just a little bit more will get you without having to go to the very top tier stuff. Because when guys hear $3,000 air rifle, they tune out, you know, immediately. It's just like on my scope reviews, I'll do, you know, some really expensive scopes, but I also do a lot of budget scopes because I know when I do the really, really expensive scopes, there's a lot of guys that look at it, and say, hey man, that's the $3,000 scope. There's no need me watching this review. And I totally get that. But there are guys that are gonna you know, wanna see it. Uh, I do know when I was doing air gun reviews, when I would do something, say along the lines of an impact, if I did a review on it, I would not get as many views as if I did a Gambo Whisper or whatever from Walmart. It, it just, you know, it's a much broader market. Um So, I think, you know, to the more experienced shooters, bring in those people that are buying the Gamma Whispers that got frustrated, that got frustrated with this PBA ammo, you know, and realized how hard it was to cock, how hard it was to shoot, and especially how hard it was to shoot accurately, and show them what a, what a good air rifle will do, what it's capable of, man. Uh, the only interesting rifles are accurate. If they're not accurate they're not even fun.
0: So I'm gonna pivot here again and ask you, do you see wokeness or cancel culture leaking into the air gun industry or the gun industry at large in any kind of real way?
1: Me personally, I don't think so. uh, It's kind of a boys club and a lot of the real hardcore air gunners are older, like I am. And so, you know, we didn't grow up like that, so we don't think like that so I, I don't really see it become, you know, woke culture being something that happens a lot in the airgun community. And if, it, if you are one of these people that you're, you know, you're so, so super sensitive about everything, you won't enjoy the airgun community. You know, just like you wouldn't enjoy the bass fishing, fishing community or, you know, NASCAR community or, you know, there's a lot of different things. Um, if you're that woke and, you know, you're worried about everything, you know, you should be out collecting teapots or going antiquing or maybe knitting. You know, I don't, I don't know, uh, what, woke guys do, you know, but, uh, you know, go do something that's not going to, you know, offend you because the one person that I do know in the world that's really, really like this. And the only reason I know him is, you know, they're, I'm related to him. Um, they they just you know, they have a tendency to avoid those situations. They don't want to the ones that, the one that I know well doesn't want to be confrontational. So they just get they just steer away from it, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I just don't see it, you know, being part of the gun community. I just you know, I just don't I, I, I can't imagine it.
0: So for YouTube, what kind of bullshit do you put up with as a content creator on that platform?
1: Uh, the bullshit I put up with uh, you know it's their platform so you know they can make their own rules and a lot of the stuff uh, I'll try to to do things that will automatically get the video demonetized because once it gets demonetized uh, nobody ever sees it it'll fall so far back in search that nobody ever find it so if it's something that I think could get demonetized I won't monetize it in the first place, and if you don't ever apply for monetization, you can get away with most anything. And you know, I just you know I just accept it. So many of the guys, you know, uh, they cry a lot about you know, well they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that, and yeah, it can be frustrating because the rules never change. You know, uh, the strike zone is never in the same place twice, so that part of it's frustrating. But at the same time, man, you know, it's their platform, you know, if you don't want to do it on YouTube, you can put your video somewhere else. But, you know, I've had other creators tell me, hey, man, I'm not going to put my stuff on YouTube anymore. I'm only going to put it on, you know, uh, AR15.com or one of these other sites. And it's like, man, that's great. You know, if that's your thing and they are say, well, man, why don't you join me? And it's like, man. You know, my answer is, when was the last time you used Bing as a search engine? You know, never, you know, or you know, 11 years ago? If you're going to look at videos, you're going on YouTube, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if monopoly is the, the, you know, the right word, but it's the, if it's not the only game in town, it's by far the biggest game in town. If you want the exposure and want people to actually see, you know, the videos you make, because like for me for pretty much every minute that you see in a video is about 3 hours. So if it's a 10 minute video, it's about a 30 hours worth of time I put into it. That's on average. Uh, some of the creators are a lot more than that, like Steve at AAC, he's at about 8 hours for every minute and that's not an exaggeration. You know, editing is really really time consuming and you know, setting up all the shots and for you know, every thirty minutes you film, you keep you know you keep thirty seconds. It seems like at times, you know, um, but that part of it, uh, the frustrating part of it if, it. if 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 you're a person that gets frustrated really easily, it's really easy to quit and just throw your hands up and say screw it. You know the uh, the most you know beneficial thing about YouTube for me is meeting new people. You know, getting new experiences, uh, you know, uh, getting, getting invited to stuff you normally wouldn't even know about, you know, like the IREC veteran uh, range day. I, I get to go to it every year, um, you know, getting invited when we go to uh, RMAC or EBR or SHOT Show, you know, there'll be groups of guys. Hey, man, I've seen your videos. Come hang with us. You know, come have a beer and that kind of stuff. And uh, that's a lot of fun you know i like it when people watch my videos and as weird as this is to say i could go somewhere like uh, you know go to a, a shooting event or go to a sporting goods store and when i see somebody that looks at me with that look of recognition and i know it's not anybody i know and all of a sudden they smile i know they know me from youtube you know the fact that they smile at me when they recognize me man that's a big that's a big deal because I know there's YouTubers out there when people recognize them, they're like, hey, get over here, man. You screwed me out of my money because you told me about this piece of crap and told me it was good. You know, I don't ever want to be that guy. So, you know, that, that part of it, man, is a lot of fun.
0: If you're a new content creator on YouTube, what recommendations would you have, if any, for a new content creator on YouTube? For a new
1: content creator, my my biggest recommendation would be Once you realize, you know, kind of what genre you want to do, if you say, since we're talking about airguns, if you want to make an airgun channel, uh, get an idea what you want to do, but don't watch other airgun channels. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how many friends I have that make YouTube videos. And it's also amazing to me how very rarely I watch their videos. Uh, I spend the majority of my time on YouTube now working on, uh, you know, being better with the camera, uh, as far as the camera settings, lenses, uh, how to get the audio cleaner, how to do different transitions, different video ideas. If, If you see a new creator and you watch what they're doing and it's like, man, that looks exactly like what Matt was doing or what 68 Whiskey was doing or what... Ted was doing or Giles you know you can tell they're copying them and you need some kind of a blueprint to start with but do your own thing and here's, here's an example when I started there was about 10 or 12 of us that all had anywhere between say a hundred subscribers to a thousand and we were kind of critiquing each other's channels and the main thing that these guys were coming at me with is you need to quit talking about strippers and midgets and cursing. And I mean, I just don't go, you know, just ape shit, but I'll say stuff like ape shit or hell or damn or something like this, you know. And I'm not doing it for shock value. It's just, hey, this is the way I talk, you know. So they were like, man, you need to censor that because the sponsors are never going to want to deal with you talking like that and people are not going to want to watch your channel. Well, fast forward five years later, and of all of these all of these channels, I probably have more subscribers than the rest of those combined, and I think a big part of that is you know i just I'm just myself, man, and a lot of these guys you'll if you see them on YouTube and you meet them in person, you realize, man, you're nothing like you are on youtube you know if if you've met me on YouTube, you've met my ass, you know part of it's laziness. You know, I don't. You know, I'm too lazy to create a persona or anything else. But, you know, I'm just. You know, my wife says it all the time. I'm Joe, no matter where I go. You know, if I walk into a doctor's office, I don't walk down and walk in, bowing my head, saying yes sir or no, sir. You know, walk in. Hey, what's up, dude? Just like there anybody else. You know, if I uh, if I'm talking to the guy that's you know cleaning cleaning the bathroom, man, when I go in there to take a leak, you know, walk by. Hey, what's up, dude? You know, it's just he's just another guy man you know i don't i don't change depending on the environment or which way i think i should be and uh i think that's helped man because i think guys realize you know that i'm more genuine because you know i'm not trying to pacify everybody i'm not trying to you know make everybody my friend man i'm not running for head cheerleader you know, I just like doing the scope reviews, man. I enjoy doing the YouTube stuff, and if guys like it, great. But if they don't, man, just don't watch, man. You know, you don't have to watch. You know, there's no, you know, there's 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 gun channels out there that are that are very popular channels that I, I can't stand their videos, and I'm definitely not gonna name them by name. But and I'm not talking about air gun community like that, but just just channels in. in And you know that are just super super popular but I watch their videos and it's like man your videos suck. I ain't going to watch this. You know and then there's other creators that make incredible videos. But because of their life situation they can't upload regularly. You know Uh, or you know if they do they might make three or four just knock it out of the ballpark videos. And then they can't get to it again. You know, and it may be two months before they can do it. Well, it kills you in the algorithm. And here's a perfect example. To any of the guys that are listening, if you've ever seen Dana at Mountain Sport Airguns, he makes some of the absolute best videos out there, man. The cinematography, the way he edits. He uses some cool drone footage, man. you, you, You watch one of Dana's hunting videos, you feel like you're on a hunt with a buddy. I mean, he is so, so good at this. Now, Dana has over 10,000 subscribers. That's a lot. But if you watch the quality of his videos, you're thinking, "Man, how do you not have a million subscribers?" And then there's some of the gun channels out there—not the Eric Gun guys, but the gun channels that have a million subscribers. And you watch their videos, it's like, "How the hell did you get to a million subscribers?" You know, your stuff sucks. You know, and a lot of times, man, it's—it's it's just not fair. Sometimes a channel will put out a video that'll just like go viral or you know almost viral and just get you know hundreds of thousands or millions of views and along with it they pick up subscribers along the ways and then there's guys you know like me that you know just constantly you know constantly put out videos but you know never had a video just really go nuts that you know basically changed the channel it's just been steady pretty steady growth you know just uh, Is one of them things, man. The better my videos have gotten, the more views they get, and the more they get shared. So, you know, I just it all goes together for me.
0: I just watched Dana's video called "Will They Survive," where he drags behind the car, then American Air Arms the Brocock and an FX gun, and I wanted to get your impression after watching it because I thought it was a really well done video.
1: Honest to God, honest to God, man, the best video I've seen probably in two months without a doubt i mean without a a shadow of a doubt you know just everything about it's top notch man uh i thought it was really cool that dana got somebody to do a voiceover you know um it was just i mean everything about it man you know dragging those things behind the car you know those expensive guns and dana's like screw it somebody's gonna have to do it and i mean he stepped up and did it and uh it's just I mean, just incredible, man, and and the guys that, that don't know him that haven't had a chance to meet him, man, he is, it, it, you know, as good as he is on video and as good as he is a creator, he's an even a better dude, man, he is just such a cool dude to be around, and of course he's got Marley, which makes anybody automatically cool to have a dog that cool, but man, he is, uh, and he's helped me a lot, man. uh, As a matter of fact, he was the one that taught me into getting my first real camera and quit using the phone and stuff. But Dana is just, I mean, he's one of these content creators that I really, really wish we didn't live so far apart and I could go, you know, and even if I had to pay him, just go and and spend time with him and kind of just watch the process of how he's doing this and... You know, how he's getting this all lined down in his head that he's going to put all this footage together and stuff. You know, and I mean, seriously, seriously, just sit and watch him edit and watch how he does it, man. To me, his stuff is that good.
0: The antithesis to Dana's material is something that would be cringeworthy. So I'm going to ask you this question any cringeworthy activity this last year that you've seen on YouTube as a content creator that you think justifies the like the cringe that you would get from watching a video, yeah,
1: I've seen I've seen several that were just oh man that was that was absolutely terrible, but man, and again, I'd rather not call these guys out by name, man i I would hope if they thought about my videos the same way, they wouldn't do that, you know, I would rather uh uh I'd rather talk good about uh the good videos than the bad ones, but one thing I have noticed with a lot of the especially smaller channel air gun creators, you know, you can use a phone. You can use uh I used an iPad, man, for probably the first year and a half or two that I made videos. Never even used a phone. I just used a cheap iPad mini. But one of the things, man, uh immediately I think most guys should do is get a microphone, whether it's a wired lav, a really good shotgun mic or something. But when I listen to some of these videos and it's doing that wind buffeting like that the whole time, I just can't watch it, man. And when I see somebody that's been doing this for a a pretty good while and they're still using the built-in microphones, you know, it's just... You know after a point is you, you know for me i just kind of throw my hands up you know when they're new and they're just starting nobody starts out with all that gear or very few people do and you know as they're doing it for a while and they keep doing it and i'll see in the comments guys are like hey man you need to do something you'll know, get a better microphone or this and that and i know these people are aware of it but they just don't do it that'll make me tune out real fast man and i see a lot of the air gun guys doing that. They're just using a microphone built into their phones and like I said, that's great to start with but you can buy a wired lav mic with a 18 foot speaker wire for about 25 bucks. You know, and if you can afford a, you know, $1200 phone, you can afford a $25 microphone. You know, get the microphone so if the video quality is not that great, people can still watch it. But if the audio quality is awful, where you can't hardly understand what somebody is saying, you're not going to you're not going to stay tuned to it very long.
0: Arrogant personalities, and what type of personalities do you admire, and what type of personalities do you dislike? And again, is type not persons?
1: The people I really admire the most are the ones that are. The, I've been blessed to meet so many of them, is the ones that are genuine. They're the same person they are as they are on, on video. Uh, and that is the majority of them. Now, some of them, to be fair, some of these guys, you know, they have careers, they have jobs where, you know, they can't t- they can't be in their videos and talking about midgets or strippers or some crap like that or be in a video scene, you know, at the rifle range and they got an open beer sitting there. These guys, you know, that could hurt them on their jobs and I totally, totally get that and I respect it. But the ones that I admire the most are the ones that are genuine and it's guys that watch a lot of YouTube. You can tell who's being genuine and who isn't or the majority of the time you can. Every once in a while somebody will catch me out of left field when I actually meet them and realize they're not, not the same person. But it happens less and less now. But the ones that I really, really admire are the, the genuine ones. The ones that the ones that I, I would say I have the most disdain for are probably the ones that never try to improve. You know, um, there's a channel, and I'm not gonna call him by name, but he has a very large following. And it's not an air gunner. So, you know, guys are trying to think, you know, is he talking about Matt or Ted? No, it's nothing like that. But this is a guy that has a regular gun channel. And he's got actually a very large following, and you can watch his videos from six or seven or eight years ago, and the videos that he made last week, and they are they are exactly the same. I mean, there's no there's no better quality, of the production of any kind. There's no better quality in the audio, the video. They are, you know, straight out of an iPhone then, straight out of an iPhone now. One big long take. Um, I just. You know, I don't have any respect for that man, you know, and I know, you know, people have time restraints and the other type that I don't like, and this is because I do optics videos, but this also applies to guns, man, I don't care if it's telephones or anything else, are guys that'll turn, them, turn the camera on and they'll just start talking. You know, hey guys, here's my review of the new, whatever the hell it is, sports socks or some shit. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. And we'll stand there and talk for eight or ten minutes holding it. They never stop and give you a good up-close look with V-roll. They never show it working. They just stand there and monologue for eight or ten minutes. And then they turn the camera on. And when you, when you watch the video, it's one continuous take all the way through. You know, there's no editing, there's no up-closes, there's no text overlays, there's nothing, and you know it's so lazy <laughs> that you know uh, those are hard for me to watch, and and I see that more and more with the larger channels, especially with like uh, you know not the arrogant guys, but the the some of the larger channels out there, and regardless of what it is, I think past a the point they just get lazy and they're like, you know, I've got. 500,000 subscribers they're gonna watch regardless of what I put out you know I'm gonna get a big audience regardless of what I put out and that that's true to a certain point but after a while there's a lot of these creators that after a while it's just I just started unsubscribing you know if you're not you know if it's not even better than that you know then you know why keep watching it and I you know that's just that's just the way I feel about it you know a lot of you know, TV shows get like that after a point, it's just like, man, they're not, they're not even trying anymore. You know, it's just like, man, this sucks now. I remember when this was real good and there's a lot of channels that I, that I think the same thing about. And that's something that, you know, I don't want my channel to be like, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want I don't want to be that guy, you know. So for me, it, you know, that drives me to try to keep the quality up.
0: Um, just a fun one here barbecue chicken or pork
1: chicken absolutely chicken man I uh I eat a ton of chicken and guys don't people that uh don't know me wouldn't realize this you look at me you think man he just seems like somebody's always got a pork chop or steak or a beer in his hand the beer is right but in the last probably 25 years I've probably eaten. Five steaks and probably three pork chops. When I was a when I was a kid, I uh, my, my extended family owned a restaurant, and a lot of times they would get meat in, and after they thought it out, they would find out that it's not the cut of meat they would want. Then it might, it would be steaks or something like this. and And our family was far from well off. We were definitely lower middle income or lower income, and When this would happen, you know, it's like, well, okay, we got 120 pounds of steak here. We can't refreeze it and it's going to go bad pretty quick. So, uh, my uncle, he would give it to us. And so for the next five or six days or seven days or however long it takes to eat, we had steak for breakfast, lunch and dinner, or we might have pork chops for two weeks straight. You know, at two meals a day, you got pork chops or you're having sausage and stuff like that. So, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we always had plenty of red meat and we had plenty of pork. And by the time I was in high school, um, man, I would, you know, I mean, i you know, I'd crawl through a minefield for a Chick-fil-A. You know, and somebody can be out there cooking a ribeye or prime rib, and it's like, I'll pass, man. Let me have a potato or something. I just, you know, I just can't eat any more of it, man. I've eaten too much of it. And I've got cousins that grew up eating hamburgers. Their family owned a hamburger place. And to this day, they will not eat a hamburger. They just had a, you know, more than a lifetime supply. And that's the way I was, when I was a kid over a few year period of time, I had a lifetime supply of pork chops and steaks. And now (laughs) I don't want it anymore.
0: So one of the last questions I have for you is we have the possibility here to troll our mutual friend, Christian, a.k.a. Airgun Supremacy, also known in some circuits named as Intensity 22. Is there any way you'd like to troll him personally? Troll Christian
1: personally? Yeah, I wish he would give up on the Deadpool Uh, (laughs) picture for it. You know, that's his little icon is the Deadpool. Deadpool, it's like, dude, come on, man. It's like doing Austin Powers still. Give the Deadpool thing up, man. Come move up to, you know, the, the Batman or, you know, come forward in time a little bit to maybe one of the new Spider-Men or something. You know, dead, there had not been a Deadpool movie in a while now, man. Change your little logo. But uh, seriously, Christian's, Christian's a good dude. But it's like, dude, you got to give that Deadpool shit up.
0: Okay, you probably think that I'm correct in this, but Christian should open some kind of distribution because he is connected in one way or another to every air gunner in America.
1: Oh, there's no doubt, dude. Ever everybody knows who Christian is. He's really active on the forums and he just, you know, everybody just knows who the who the dude is. And uh, you know, if he walked around at these airgun revives with a with a Deadpool shirt on, and a, you know across the back of it like a jersey, if it said intensity twenty two, you know instantly everybody there if they didn't already know would know exactly who that is.
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. On that note, I wanted to give a plug for you. Um, where can people find you at? And also, if you have any current discount codes, what can they plug in if they want to buy an optic or anything like that?
1: Well, the main place I'm at is on YouTube. I mean, I have an Instagram and I occasionally post there. But honestly, I started the Instagram for one reason and one reason only. Several of the optics companies, their social media directors were big on Instagram. So they're like, Get on Instagram, post something every once in a while and uh, just so we can pass the phone. But uh, everything I do is on YouTube. I, uh, I, I look at Instagram once or twice a day and I follow some of my buddies out on the West Coast through it. But I mainly do YouTube. But some of the discounts that I have right now, let's see. Uh, at Valdata Optics, guys that uh, get in touch, it only works on the phone. But if you talk to Val on the phone, and tell him that you heard about him through uh, Cyclops videos he'll take 10% off of any scope which when you're talking about $2,500 scopes you know $250 off is huge you know and he'll also throw in a free set of rings now all the ones I'm going to talk about except for one I don't get anything out of these are just discount codes that the company set up to help out guys that watch my channel which is important to me you know. at Blackhound if you use my code Cyclops at checkout it gets you 5% off any Blackhound optic and it gets free shipping automatically. Uh, if you use my code Cyclops I believe it's Cyclops15 at U.S. Optics depending on what it is it'll either get you 15% or the minimum $15 off and the majority of the time it's 15% off. So that that can be a real good one too. Um, at AccuFire. If you use my code Cyclops at checkout there, it also gets you either 5 or 10% depending on what special they're running at the time, And uh, but it's a minimum of 5% off. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's well at uh, Swamp Fox, if you use my code there, it gets uh, 5% off and it's all of these are Cyclops except for the US Optics uh, at Swamp Fox, it'll also get you is it five percent or maybe it's twenty percent? It may be twenty percent off. I can't remember, but it, it's a big discount at Swamp Fox too. And then the last one that I have is with Arc, and it's my it's it's my one and only affiliate. And uh, if you use my code at checkout there, they have a it's called a combo pack, and it's basically a, a set of rings or a cantilever mount, and then flip up scope caps, a rear bag, patches uh it's a bunch of little stuff that comes in this combo pack and it cost 170 dollars but if you use my code it's free you just add that in with the new scope and you know it takes 170 bucks off which is pretty damn good and they've just got the new 5 to 25 out as a matter of fact mine is in the closet right now i'm taking it to the range but uh that one that one i do get a percentage of the sale now it's a small percentage but you know it does help support my channel because I don't like going on YouTube hitting guys up to join my Patreon or hitting guys up to send me money through PayPal Uh, I just uh, I see so many guys doing it I think it's kinda overdone and I'm not saying that that some of the guys don't you know that it's not necessary but I see it done so much that I try not to do that to the guys it's kinda like at the end of my videos You know, I'll tell guys, man, I appreciate you guys coming by, uh, check out some of my videos. But in my videos, you you won't hear me say, you know, hit the like button or subscribe or make sure and, you know, do this or do that. You know, guys that watch YouTube, they know know how to hit a like button. They know whether or not to the channels they want to subscribe. And because I hear it so much, I don't want to be the guy that's over there, you know, doing the legal disclaimer type shit like everybody else so i kind of leave that off my videos you know but that's just my personal choice but uh for right now man that's the that's the only discounts that i have now i have a a company that um that's supposed to be setting up a discount code for me but it hasn't come through and and as of right now i don't think it'll work and that's with crimson trace if they order one of the new Crimson Traces and use my discount code Cyclops, it will be working. But as, as today, the day we're recording this, as of right now, it's not working, but it will be active very quickly.
0: And I just wanted to quickly jump back and echo something you said earlier in this recording, which is that you don't listen to other content creators. And I do the same thing because I don't want to copy um, other podcasts, for example. So I don't listen to other podcasts. People ask that to me sometimes about hairgun podcasts. Do I listen to any of them? I do not, and um, yeah, just I try to avoid listening to because I don't want to copy any of their material.
1: Well, and for me doing so many scope reviews, I purposely, like if I get a new scope in and there's already reviews out there, I purposely will not watch them because this I, I'm I guess I'm kind of a monkey see monkey do type of dude. But if somebody's talking about a particular scope and there's something that's a little different about it, you know, um, the magnification ring instead of taking 180 degrees goes, you know, 270 before it makes a whole revolution. And I hear that, well, when I'm doing my review, it may have not never occurred to me. If so because I've already heard it, now it's stuck in my head, so I feel like I need to mention it too. You know, which for me, it might not have, I might not have cared. You know, there's guys that make a big deal of how many mils or MOA per revolution. It, I'll put it in text on my videos, but I don't harp on it because that doesn't matter to me. It's, you know, how does it perform? It doesn't matter how far do I have to push the gas pedal to speed it up, as long as it speeds up. You know, it's just, it's not a priority. But if I hear these other guys say it, it'll influence my review. So I purposely don't do it because I don't want to be parroting what somebody else said, and I don't want anything they said influencing what what I think about it. You know, I've heard um, there's a particular scope out there, the Vortex Venom, that I've seen a lot of them, and every single one I've seen is a turd. I mean. I mean just you know stinks up the room it's in it's that bad but I hear other guys talking about oh man you know it's got some nice crisp glass it's got this and got that and it's like you you know you you gotta be shitting me you know and I realize these guys aren't paying for me either I don't pay for my optics that I review but at the same time it's like damn dude you know All you want to do is talk about, yeah, man, it's a nice straight tube that it's built on or, you know, uh, it's got the Vortex warranty and stuff. And it's like, man, let people know if there's something worth knowing, let them know. Uh, And when I watch some of these other guys, because sometimes I will watch their video after mine's done. And I'll I'll see that there's something that's really lacking in the scope, or something that really should be highlighted because it's it's really you know really stands out, and these guys won't touch on it. And it's like you know I've got you know I'm I'm going you know I've got a game plan. It goes you know from point A to B to C to D, and everything's going to be the same each time. And and it's not like that. Not every vehicle's the same. Not every scope. Not every rifle. You know, nothing's going to be the same between two different things. And uh, the fact these other guys won't touch on it, uh, it bugs me. And and to be fair, there's not that many guys doing optics reviews. You know I mean? it's uh, And I'm convinced that's a big part of the reason my channel started growing like it did is, you know, I'm, you know, there's nobody else that has as many optics reviews as I do on YouTube. And... You know, plus, I mean, <laughs> you know, you got a one eyed of sub-a-bitch doing optics reviews. That, that's a little bit funny in itself. You know? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a one-legged dude doing, you know, reviews on sneakers. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be different, you know, so. But, yeah, I try, you know, I, I do a lot like you do, man. I try not to, you know, watch what other guys do especially if it's something I'm going to do for the simple reason I know it'll influence what I'm going to say or the way I'm going to approach something, you know? So, I mean, I respect that you're doing it like that, man. I think that's, I think it's a really good idea.
0: So the very last question I have for you is, do you ever deal with any kind of bullshit that just kind of added on with that celebrity status that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, no, not, I, it's, um, It's unnerving sometimes when somebody, I mean, if I go to a shooting event, a gun event, a gun show, something like that, or, you know, go to a rifle range, it's it's not like I go up thinking people are going to recognize me immediately. It's it's not like that. But I know when I go to that kind of a setting that there's a good chance I'll get recognized by at least somebody. So I'm kind of, I'm ready for it. But like if my wife and I are out to eat, especially, you know, uh, if we're out of town where normally you know I may not know anybody there or something and somebody recognizes me it's always nice because like I say they always walk up to me with a smile on their face but at the same time you know sometimes I'm not ready for it and the most extreme example was this year at EBR. I was coming back from Arizona and I drive to these events I don't fly I just I like driving so I was coming back from EBR, and I was out in the middle of West Texas where dreams go to die. And I stopped at the city, city gas station because I needed gas and I wanted a damn uh, monster drink to keep on driving. And it's one of these places, you know, where the lights are flickering outside, you know, you expect to see some guy walk up with a bloody ax. I mean, it just screams, you know, this week on Dateline when you see this creepy ass place. So I go in, get a drink, and I walk into the restroom, which is nasty as hell. Anyway, I go in there, take a leak, wash my hands, come out of the restroom. And as soon as I walked out, this guy said, hey, Joe. And I, and I turned and looked behind me because I thought he was talking to somebody else. And, uh, and he said, no, no, I'm talking to you, Joe. And I said, oh, hey, you know, did like this. And he said, I was wondering if you'd come by. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I, I was. I knew you were at EBR, and I knew you drove, and I thought you might be coming back this way. I was kind of looking out for you, and I'm like, well, you know, nice to meet you. And it's like, you know, thanks for creeping up my evening, <laughs> you know, because it's, you know, it's 1 o'clock in the damn morning. You know, I'm out there in, you know, axe murderer territory, and this guy calls me by name. In this little seedy ass gas station, that creeped me out, man. You know, that shit right there creeped my ass out. I ain't gonna lie to you.
0: Yeah, I, I just imagine you're you're very a very much a prolific author on YouTube. So that's uh that's creepy, and and especially the unbroken rule not to talk to someone in a bathroom. Oh
1: man, I went to I, w- I went up there. Well, one thing I had to piss a lot. But when I went to the Dallas Safari Club, I was with my shooting buddy, Mike, man. And every time we went to go take a leak, it seemed like that's when somebody would recognize me. And he said, man, what's up with you and the urinals, man? Is that the only, is the lighting in here the only reason anybody recognized you? I said, I don't know. but I think part of it is, you know, you're stopped right there. You know, they kind of got you cornered and stuff. But it's, it's weird, man, to get recognized. but." The upside to it, the biggest upside I've ever had to this, uh, when I was going to uh, actually going to EBR, this has been several years back, and at the time, man, my channel was just getting to the size that occasionally I'd get recognized. Well, I'm going, yeah, you know, going out through New Mexico, West Texas, somewhere out that way, man, and I'm going 92 in my little car, and I knew it was 92 because so that's fast the damn thing would go. So I'm doing 92 miles an hour, got the uh, speed control set, man, in the middle of nowhere, and I just looked up in the rearview mirror, man, there was a highway patrol right behind me, and I'm like, well, shit, because the speed limit was like 80, so I pulled over, and he pulls over, comes walking up to the car, well, i just put new tires on the car before I left. And he come walking up to the car. Well, I had the window down and I couldn't really see him. All I could see was his torso and his belt. Of course, it was his gun and all that shit, because he was right next to the car. And he said, I need to see your driver's license, proof of insurance. And I said, okay. I said, "My insurance is in the glove box. I got to open it to get it. And he said, go ahead. So I opened it up and uh, got it out. And I said, Hey man, let me ask you something. And I handed it over to him and I still can't see him. And I said, let me ask you something. I said, man, I just got new tires put on this thing. I said, I know I was speeding, but I said, my speedometer said 92. How fast do you clock me at? And he just quit talking. And he stepped back and looked off in the car and he said, I know you. And I said, what? And he said, I know you. You're Joe the Cyclops. And I said, what? And he said, man, we watch you on YouTube. And uh, he called his partner and they came over there, man, and they took pictures with me for Instagram. And uh, it just—I mean—it just blew my mind. But they were so damn cool. But I, I, man, as soon as I drove off, long story short, they gave me a warning, and I—they uh, said, man, we got to give you something because we pulled you over. You know, we got you on video and shit. And I said, okay. And the man, as soon as they drove off, I called all my buddies, man. I called my wife, everybody. Tell them, by God, <laughs> being a minor YouTube celebrity got me out of a speeding ticket. Top that shit. You know, and I mean, if you ever meet any of my buddies at uh, EBR and RMAC, they'll all tell you the same story. Oh, man, you couldn't shut Joe up about that, you know, but that that was that was probably one of the coolest things that's happened.
0: Well, Joe, I think it's time to close. People can find you on YouTube. Where else would you like the audience to go and follow you?
1: mainly just on YouTube, man. If they want to look me up on Instagram, they can. Sometimes I'll post something there that I know will get taken down on YouTube. Instagram is not as picky about what they post. And uh, and, and probably because I'm monetized on YouTube, it's a little more picky. But nah, man, if anybody ever wants to, you know, uh, catch up with me, all they have to do is come come to YouTube and look me up, man. Cyclops videos, the, the one-eyed fat boy doing rifle scopes and 22s, that's going to be me. And are you on
0: Airgun 101?
1: Yes, I'm also on Aragon 101. Sorry, I thought I forgot about that a while ago, man. And it's a shame because I I just uh I just talked to Giles about a week ago. I com- completely forgot about Aragon 101, but yeah, I'm on there too.
0: Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because ever increasingly YouTube is cracking down. Um have you dived into the rumble just out of curiosity? No,
1: I haven't been on there. I tried to get on uh, AR15.com and then there was another one. I can't remember the name of it. And I applied to have my videos on there, man. And one of them turned me down and the other one uh, never even replied back. So I just I just kind of gave up on it, man. And where I live, the internet is so slow that... As an example, man, to upload a 10-minute 4K video takes about 15 hours where I live. It's that slow. I mean, it's almost like dial-up. So to put it on a different platform, it just, you know, that's just another 15 hours. I got the internet tied up here at home. And uh, so, uh, you know, I just do the YouTube. As a matter of fact, you know, whether guys know it or not, the Aragon 101, uh, Giles, takes the video directly from YouTube, downloads it, and then puts it on his platform. So that that's you know that way I don't have to re-upload it. So for me the upload speed is the big holdup. As a matter of fact, the majority of the time when I upload a video, I go into town, the closest town to me, and go to one of the sports bars, go in there, have a beer, and they have high speed internet and upload there. But in the residential area where I live you can't get it
0: yeah so rumble is probably the biggest market competitor currently against youtube so i would definitely encourage you to check that out i've been encouraging a lot of air gunners to check that out because i think that eventually obviously youtube wants people like you and me off
1: i thought honestly i don't think there'll come a time that they'll completely eliminate the gun or gun related channels but i think the time is coming before long that you won't be able to monetize anything that's a gun related video. That That's where I think it's, it, it's, it's headed because more and more guys now that are doing gun videos, mine included, as soon as you upload them, you know, and you go to turn it on, they'll say it's not eligible for either it's not eligible at all or it's not eligible for most uh, advertisers, which means something that might make say, a $100 over a year's time will make 50 cents. I mean, it's that big of a difference. So, you know, and, that, and that's part of the reason that so many guys now, you know, they do talk about, you know, help me out on Patreon or on PayPal or, or you know, that kind of thing because they get frustrated by it. And you can request a review, but the review used to take 24 hours. Now it takes about two weeks. And, you know, they just... uh they're not going to do anything to help out anybody in the Erica community and guys say well that may be true for the small ones but that's not true for guys like Hickok and Demolition Ranch and these kind of guys and the majority of these guys don't even monetize videos anymore. They're getting paid so much by sponsors that they don't even bother with their monetization because they know 99% of the time it's going to they're going to get a no. You know so um, I really think, man, that they'll keep having, you know, gun videos for the foreseeable future. But I think the time is coming where they won't be monetized.
0: Well, um, Joe, thank you very much for coming on the Atlas Airguns podcast. I hope to have you on in the future. And uh, just thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, man, thanks for inviting me on. It's been great, man. And to the guys that you know, took time out of their day to listen to this, man. I really appreciate it. And I really like what you're doing, man. And i really, really enjoyed the guests that you've had on so far, man. You've got a really good podcast, man. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: All right. Thank you so much. And see you next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Atlas Airguns podcast. Make sure to like with a five-star rating, share, and subscribe. Have a question? Email atlasairguns at gmail.com.